0: Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn.
1: Hour two on the Sports Complex here on The Horn. Going to get into a lot of Texas OU talk. Got a clip from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie. Rob Bavers brings up some good points. Get me on the show Friday. Enjoy, always enjoy talking football with Rob Babers. So we'll hear some from Rod in this uh, in the six o'clock hour as well. Of course, a lot more of your text 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. We are asking you: who do you is your most beloved player in the Texas OU rivalry? Who's a player that when you when you think of Texas OU, when you think of this game, and when you're getting ready in your head? Who do you picture? What's the name? And tell me why. 512-447-3776. If you've come up with another name for the, the series, uh, the Red River Rivalry, if you've got a name for that, we were trying to find that out for the last few days. I don't think we're going to be able to get there. I appreciate you guys putting it in there. A lot of things, they just keep getting longer and longer. Straight fair, Stay Fair Street Fight's always good. They had one with Dallas in it, uh, They were talking about this morning as well. I, You know, I like those. But again, I'm, I'm trying to... All that is It may work. It may work. I'm just going to keep calling it Texas OU. But if you've got one that you, if you got one that you think is that's the one, then you will we'll pitch it on the show today. 512-447-3776. Anything else you want to talk about, hit me up. 512-447-3776. Uh back on the text line, Stoney Clark. Stony Clark has, of course, had that big stop uh, against James Allen at the goal line to get Texas a win. I mean, we could throw Todd Dodge in there as well. Todd Dodge, when Texas was not doing great, was not expected to win, gets a tie, uh, gets a big play there. So maybe Todd Dodge, maybe that's somebody. You want to go old school with it? We'll give him some love. Uh, most beloved would definitely have to be Jordan Shipley. I was there at the 45-35 game, the kick return. It was epic. It's from Sweet Lou there. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely like that one. Uh, I remember that one as well. That is definitely one that sticks out in my mind. Peter the Great won every game against OU. Uh, yeah, that is definitely – Peter the, uh, Peter Gardaire uh, definitely is somebody that – look, he wins every game, so you have to put him at the, up there. But I think for a lot of us, he's, he's just before I started really watching Texas football. I was watching Texas football like how kids watch it at the time that he was playing. So, uh, I, you know what, I'm sure he made it happy. It was happier that, you know – there was, there was less anger in the house during that, I'm sure. Uh, Rod Wright scoring a big-man touchdown after Brian Robinson blew up Rhett Bromar. Uh, another good one there. And uh, we get another Peter Garder. 4-0 versus OU, always going to be there. Another Stoney Clark as well. Lil' Jordan Humphrey gets 17 yards on a third and 18. Then Dicker wins it. I guess that's two. You asked for one. Look, I like that you threw in Lil' Jordan Humphrey. Oh, well, big fan of old Jordan Humphrey. Doesn't get enough love. Doesn't get enough love. Stoney Clark's goal line hit to keep the Sooner running back out of the end zone to win the game for Texas. I believe it was James Allen was the, the Sooner running back that was kept out, by the way. Uh, Julian from Westwood. Uh, yeah, 1999. Okay. So we, we, we did technically go to high school together, Julian. We were just in different, you know, you were, you were much older. I was a kid in there, uh, but I don't want to say much older. In high school years, you were a senior. I was a sophomore. Much older. Closer to my brother's age. Not too much older. Come on now. Uh, Tom Herman, head-butting legend. <laughs> Tom, Bowgame Herman. Herman. Uh, Quan box, Shipley's return. Quan's box, Shipley's return. And Sam saying, let's take the loss. You bleep uh, all favorites. We're going to get some more of those. five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Thank you, DayDrinker77 for tuning in. We'll get some more. Uh, real quick, though, let's talk a little Texas OU before we get to some more of your text, 512-447-3776. Who is your Texas OU hero, your most beloved Texas OU f- uh, player? Hit us up there. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about, though, for Texas OU, we can get into some of the, the more specifics of Texas OU, uh, but one of the things for Texas that's going to be difficult this week, and I talked about a little bit earlier, this is a game that I think Quinn Ewers is really going to have to lead the guys into of knowing how big this game is as a rivalry, and then knowing how big this game is as the Texas Longhorns season because those are two kind of separate entities and keeping those two thoughts in your brain making them cohesive without using them against each other so not getting too apprehensive that you're in this rivalry game and every little thing is magnified because it's a rivalry game and your season's on the line and one or the other and you have to and everything gets so magnified that every mistake seems to be a problem. And for Quinn Ewers, we know he's been so much better. If you have to say one thing, Quinn Ewers has been better at this season. It is being able to shake off a bad play. You know, the Quinn Ewers we saw last year, it could take him a full game, a full week to kind of come back the next week and look like a different player again. And this season, he's been much more level-headed. It may take him a play or two, but he seems to get right back out there, get back, sit down on the bench, calm himself down. And that has been a huge edge. Because this Texas team is playing really good football, and they all have things they can improve on. We know the deep shots. We know the kicking game. We know you know they had Baylor week where they buffed three punts. All those things can be worked on, right? But you have to be able to stay dialed in and what you're doing right because something else is going to come up. And you're playing an OU team that we can say all day long hasn't been tested, but that doesn't mean they're bad. It's not inherently that they're bad because they haven't played anybody. They could be the greatest team in the country and just haven't played anybody yet. I don't think they are, but they could be. So we can't just take that for for the fact that they haven't played anybody, so that means that they're automatically no good. That those two don't necessarily mean the same thing. But Texas, we know, has played somebody. They have played at Kansas. Yes, yes, we know that Jalen Daniels didn't play. But they did they, they still played a good team. And we know that they played an Alabama team. And you can say it's not it's an off year for Alabama. They're only gonna be a they're gonna be a two loss team this season. Ooh. Two-loss SEC team is what we're predicting for Alabama. And people are saying that. But Texas has to stay dialed in. And Sark was asked on Monday about being dialed in and staying the course where you're going into a rivalry week. You know, normally this is a week where you kind of have to pump people up. But for Texas, you don't have to. You were already pumped up. You know, you, you, you beat Alabama, then you're trying to not have a, a trap game moment with Wyoming, and then you go in and play, you know, Baylor. You start off your Big 12, and we all know that everybody's been worried about Big 12 play because we're worried that Brett Yormark's got the hit out on on Texas, and, and we got a John Wickett. And I know everybody's been worried about that. See, so go out and you handle your business against Baylor. You you do make sure there's no problems there. Then you come out and you go against Kansas, number 23 team in the country. You say, all right, well, no let down here. And now you're going against Bay- in Oklahoma, undefeated Oklahoma, in the Cotton Bowl. How do you stay dialed in week after week when every week there seems to be something? How do you stay dialed in? Here's Stark talking about staying dialed in for Texas.
2: Well, you know, I think, yeah, to your point, I mean, obviously the Alabama week with the, you know, the potential distractions that come with a week like this. And I, th- I think – you know, one thing we keep preaching to our players is starve your distractions, feed your focus, right? And if we we focus on the task at hand, uh, and that's one day at a time, focus on today and what are we trying to do today, be present today, be present on purpose, um, that that's the formula for us to be successful. For other teams, that may be different, but the team that we have, that's our formula for success. And so uh, how do I gauge that? Do I feel like they're present today, right? Do I really feel like they're dialed into what we're doing today? Uh, And then we'll take care of tomorrow, tomorrow. But for us to be successful Saturday, we need to be really good today on Monday. And then Tomorrow we need to be good again. Tomorrow, one day at a time, in our system and our approach is the best way of going about it. We were able to do that in preparation for the Alabama game, uh, and I think that that's going to be of the utmost importance this week as well. With all the stuff going on around this game, we need to be really present with what we're doing
1: because it is, you know, there's a lot of distractions. But luckily, you get out at you get out of Austin, you get on a bus, you go to Dallas. You're in you know you're kind of in your own quarters. You know everybody to keep it together. the 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 leaders on this team aren't worried about you know. You don't necessarily have seniors that are going to be going out and partying outside because, again, this is not this is not a normal thing of Hey, this is the last game. This is a we're trying to do something special, and we all want to go to the NFL next year. So we don't need to go out and party on Dallas the night before necessarily. So let's stay. Uh, let's let's get our stuff. You kind of get them to themselves a little bit. It's an eleven a.m. game, so you don't necessarily get distractions of you know, turning on the TV and seeing yourselves, you know, on game day earlier, you don't get to see all that. And I mean, Pat McAfee is going to be out there on Friday as well. And then, you know, you'll have the distractions. Don't get me wrong. But I think you're, you're going to be able to contain it enough as a coaching staff. The bigger issue to me is being dialed in is can you keep the dialed in about can you keep this team focused, is what Sark said, you have to be able to keep staying focused, when it's kind of been a long time and every single week feels like you have to be focused, this one comes with an extra incentive or an extra need that this is a rivalry game as well. So you have to now be focused on not just trying to go out there and play with emotion because it's a rivalry game, but focused on, man, this is still football. This is still what we need to do, what we need to do, and we still need to be Texas. And that is where if Texas plays Texas football, what they've shown this year, I'm not, it's not, OU is going to have a good game. But I know Texas can win it. The issues start to become when a mistake happens, when the emotions start to boil up, when you're on the wrong side of the field, you're on the OU side and that, that crowd starts to get louder and you make a mistake if you're a defensive lineman and you jump off sides. And, and it's not even huge. Maybe you get them a first down, it is a big one. Or maybe it just makes a, you know, a second down a little bit easier. But whatever it is, you don't compound that mistake by now sitting on the back of your heels. That's going to be a huge factor in this game. Because for Oklahoma, defensively, they're going to have to pick their poison. Now, if JT Sanders is out, it changes, it changes the outlook a little bit. Because now you're going to, you know, you have a few less options. You take away a huge option. Gunner helm's good, but of course, you're not JT Sanders. JT Sanders is another level. But if you have to, if you're Oklahoma, you have to pick and choose. Because, fortunately for Texas, Jonathan Brooks has decided to be his star this year. And with the fact that Sark will still not just say Jonathan Brooks is the dude. You know, C.J. Baxter, we're still going to get him some time. Jonathan Brooks may take this moment, and as we're talking about on the text line, who is the most beloved player? Jonathan Brooks may say, screw Quinn Ewers, screw Xavier Worthy. Screw anybody on this DJ. You know what? Love him to death, but... This is my year. Sark doesn't want to acknowledge me. Sark doesn't want to. Sark doesn't want to tell me I'm going to be the guy. I'm the thousand yard rusher, even though I'm over halfway there, even though I'm clearly the guy. I'm going to go have two hundred yards against against Oklahoma. I'm going to go have two hundred yards against Venable's defense, and I'm just going to run the ball down their throat. You know, Brent Venable's. It's going to be like a fire hose, drinking from a fire hose. That's what you want, Jonathan Brooks, to be for this Oklahoma defense. And so. I think if you're Texas, you know, you want to get your, your passing game going, and you're going to. It's Sark. You're going to, you're going to throw the ball. You're going to be able to get some passes out there. You're going to be able to do kind of what Oklahoma does, which is put the ball out and get it into space and, you know, not, not throw super deep down, downfield passes. Dylan Gabriel doesn't throw the ball downfield uh, in that, that intermediate range, that 10 to 20, 20, 10 to 30 yards, that 10 to 20 really. He doesn't throw very often in that. He's not a great passer in that range. He can put the ball down deep because he can put it up and throw a good long ball. And his receivers are good enough to go in to get, un- get underneath it. And he can throw really good in the quick game. Kind of, you know, taking away Texas pressure. He's really good at that as well. Quinn Ewers is going to have to be good at all those. But even if he's, you know, even if the, the Oklahoma pressure is coming up and deceiving and, and showing everything and not – and confusing, and 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 you don't really know, and you don't feel safe throwing the football. You need to be able to hand the ball to Jonathan Brooks in this game, and trust that he's going to be able to get you four to five yards and get you those big first downs. That to me, this is his chance to step up and go further in to Texas lore. That's where you want to be for Jonathan Brooks. Now, if you're the Texas defense, you have to worry about. You don't have to worry too much about their running game. It has not been great this season. Which is a plus for Texas that the Texas the they OU running game. They're kind of a one dimensional team. You got to worry about getting beat over the top for sure. You got to worry about, you know, you got to worry about Dylan Gabriel sneaking out if he if you do get good pressure on the wide receivers. You have to worry about if, if Ryan Watts is not there, do they start trying to pick you know pick apart Manny Muhammad? Do they start trying to pick apart some other guys? If you lose one of your best players, but I think this is going to come down. But I think Texas will have the preparation. I think Texas will be prepared for most of the inevitabilities, and that's where the big difference is. I think there is flaws in what, Alabama, or what uh, Oklahoma does, and I don't know if those flaws are as big for Texas. I don't know if you can have game-planning giant holes in your game flaws like Oklahoma does, like Oklahoma that doesn't really have a running game right now. And so you can say, well, we can try and make them run the ball on us. We can stick up our big guys and Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat on the line and trust our O-line or trust our D-line to make big plays. We can trust them and kind of allocate assets to stop everything else that you want to do. Texas has that ability against – Brent Venables doesn't have that against Texas. Brent Venables doesn't have the option of what he wants to pick. And on defense – Texas doesn't – They you can say they can go over the top, but if you don't have the run game, Texas now can kind of push those safeties back and it may let you get a couple more yards, maybe extend a drive or two. But it's not going to get you touchdowns in the red zone. It's not going to get you, you know, big plays over the top and you're going to have to make those big plays. Those types of things are kind of where I feel that Texas has the edge in this game. That Texas has the edge because there isn't a – Sure thing. That is that doesn't that that OU can attack. You can go over the top, but OU does that anyway. OU is going to go over the top on Texas. They're going to try and do that. Texas is just going to have to have the right game plan, be prepared, try and have the right guys in, and read the defense. The one thing that Texas that OU is going to try and do against Texas, their one big move, is going to be trying to confuse Quinn Ewers to to see if they can get away to disguise some things, to show different looks, and morph. As a defense to confuse Quinn Ewers. That's their big move. That's the big attack that that they have. Cause outside of that, defensively, you know, they don't necessarily have a great pass rush that's going to be coming that you have to worry about that you, you shouldn't be able to stop normally. They're gonna blitz, they're gonna blitz linebackers. You have to worry about that of your O line picking up linebackers or your your running backs. But if you're Texas, you should be able to have the ball out now quick enough. Quinn Ewers should be able to know that, and we now know if a linebacker comes up to middle, Quinn has the legs to get to the outside. And it takes away another ability of what this Brent Venables defense has to offer that if if Quinn Ewers can run the ball now, it's yet another piece that you have to play in for, for that Venables defense. Here's Sark talking about that Brent Venables defense that Texas is going to try and Tech
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think to your it is what it is. The multiplicity of what they do, right? I mean, they, you know, Brent has got a lot of defense. Um, and and then he he carries it all, you know. So you go into a game, you're not really sure what you're going to get. You can turn on the game against uh, SMU, it's one style. You can turn on the game against Iowa State, it's something different, so on and so forth. And so uh, there's a lot to prepare for. Um, and then his aggressiveness in calling it, um, I think that. <clears throat> when their secondaries really dialed in with what they're doing up front that that's when it makes it very difficult uh, Stutzman, you know, historically with Brent, he's always had that kind of playmaker linebacker in his system um, that he asks a lot of. He's a really good blitzer. Uh, he can pressure the quarterback. He's got he's really good in, in coverage and zone coverage of keeping his eyes on the quarterback to to create turnovers. Uh, and he's a good tackler. Uh, so I think for all that, it takes football IQ, and you definitely can tell he's got he's got a high football IQ over there with what they do.
1: They have good high football IQ. They got good players they got physical players. Texas is going to have to be more physical. Texas is going to have to be smarter. Quinn Ewers is going to have to play a good game where he knows, he doesn't allow Brett Venables to confuse him once or twice and take that to heart and not trust his training. That's what it's going to take for Texas to win. If Quinn Ewers can trust his training, then this Texas offense can put up enough points against this defense, and I believe our defense can hold this Texas, this OU offense. Dylan Gabriel is a good quarterback. He'll be the best quarterback we face this year. Definitely the most experienced. But what he likes to do is somewhat limited, so you can plan for what he has to. What he likes to do. This is another game in Texas. In Texas, historically, and not just in the Sark years, but in every year, you worry about in a rivalry game. You worry about any game for the rest of the season that this team plays to a different level and they don't play to their their peak ability. Their peak ability, they can beat Texas. You worry about the fact they're five and zero. You worry about listening to the hype. You worry about them listening to things about OU not playing anybody. You worry about any of those. You worry about hearing all the hype about how good you've been playing. All those things. You worry about them, and you don't. And suddenly, you don't. You don't worry about the enough things, and. And you go out there and you don't practice and you don't have the preparation. You don't have the focus. And OU punches you in the mouth. And now it's a different battle. This is a question asked of Sark. And this is the question that Texas is going to have to respond to correctly if they want to win this game, if they want to continue on in the season. Sark was asked, is Texas the best team in the country? Straight up. You're five weeks into the season. You play two ranked teams. You know, you, you can't say anybody but you know, you can't say you're not. It's a trick question. If you say you are, you're too cocky. And if you say you're not, then, then you don't believe in yourself. That's what Texas is having to deal with right now. That's what Texas have to go into against this OU team. They need to feel that they're the best team in, in the country. They also need to not act like it. Here's what Sark had to say. And do you take your judgment. Did Sark, does Sark have the right attitude right now? Is Sark ready for this?
2: That's for you guys to answer. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a vote. I'm not in the coach's poll, so I don't have a vote. But some of you in this room do. Um, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, obviously it's, it's, it's uh, flattering to some degree, the fact that the product that we're putting on the field uh, is one that, that people appreciate the, the way that we're playing, and I think our players have earned um, the respect of some. Of that, that feel that way, and, and hopefully we can continue to do that. Um, but there's a lot of football left this year, you know, we haven't even hit the halfway point. And ultimately, like I've said all along, our goal is to be in Arlington December 3rd and try to win a Big 12 championship. Then whatever happens is supposed to happen. But if we, if we don't do that, everything else is irrelevant. So it really, I hate to say it doesn't really matter where we are today. Where are we at the end of the season? When we have a total body of work, and so uh, as I told the team and it, before the season, and I tell them every week, the the opinions of others doesn't matter. What we do does, and so we've got to we've got to go out every Saturday and uh, and play a brand and a style of football that that not only makes us proud as coaches, makes them proud to, that they're doing it, and makes Longhorn Nation proud that the way we play is a, is a brand and style of football that. Um, is one that uh, you know we all appreciate because of the way our guys go about it.
1: Doesn't matter what other people say, it only matters what we do. The reality is you have that that comes across really easy if you're someone saying something negative. When someone's saying something positive, it's a lot harder to deal with. Can Texas continue to follow their path of believing they're John Wick and believing that they are the guy to handle it, but they they're still the Tom Brady underdogs. Can they still have that path that they still need to go against against an OU team where they can't say that the refs are against them? They can't say they're they're a boys team than OU. They can't say they're not being picked or touchdown favorites. Can they still keep that edge that they've needed? Can they keep it against OU? That to me is one of the bigger questions in this game because if we just go down to talent and matchups, Texas should win. If we go down to trends, we'll play a cliff from Rob Davis, Texas should win. When everything's stacked in your favor, are you still able to go out there and take the focus? That's what Texas we want to see because we haven't seen in a long time. We haven't seen Texas overperform when they're the favorites. That's what we want to see. We want to see a cover. We want to see another 49-0. I know what Texas fans want to see that. But you want to see them come out and play a good, clean game of football. We're going to come back. We'll read more of your texts. 512 447 Getting you pumped up for the game with your most beloved – Texas Longhorns and memories from the Texas OU game. Send those in, 512-447-3776. Read some more of those when we come back right here on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.
2: Patrick Davis
0: and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons only on the Horn.
1: Complex on a Wednesday afternoon playing some hate songs. This is a solid hate song. We can't play the original lyrics that make it a bit more of a hate song. Some reason we can't play those on the air. Text lines open. 512-447- 3776. We're asking you of your biggest hero, your most beloved hero in the Texas OU series for the Longhorns. No, we've had a a Sooner Infiltrate already. We've had a Sooner Infiltrate and try and put some names in there that shouldn't be in there. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, the Minnesota Twins have just beaten the uh t- the Toronto Blue Jays. Now they have clinched, they are moving on to play the Houston Astros in the ALDS. We know the Rangers will be playing the Baltimore Orioles. The Twins will be playing the Astros. Uh we'd get the matchup of Carlos Correa uh coming back to Houston. It is going to be a big matchup uh starting this weekend. So if you're an, if you're an Astros fan, Carlos Correo coming back to uh to play against the Astros. I Look, I guarantee you he's ready for this series after, uh, of course, last season being on the announce crew that has to then talk about how Jeremy Pena is doing the best and wins World Series MVP, and he has to tell how great of a, a guy Jeremy Pena is, the guy who took his spot, who he trained, that they – believed in enough that they decided to let Carlos Correa go. He's had the whole season where the offseason where his leg injury meant that he wasn't going to get signed, he missed out on two giant contracts because of it. He has some motivation coming to play the Astros. And by the way, there is a new documentary out on the Astros on the whole sign-stealing scandal, if you're an Astros fan or not, and you want to learn. It's about more than just that. It's about uh, the culture of the Astros through that entire period. It's an interesting piece. I will say it's very interesting. Uh, I thought some of the parts of it were a little bit uh, too overblown, and some were probably not big enough. Uh, underblown is underblown a thing. Does, that's it? So you know, and it's you know, it's done in a documentary way that's not my favorite. But I, I will give it. Frontline, uh, Frontline from PBS did a. It's called the Astros Edge, I believe, is what it's called. You can find it on YouTube. So if you don't even you know have a TV provider. Uh, it's available on YouTube as well. You can watch it. It's an interesting documentary, an interesting look at the cheating scandal about uh, everything that went on to build that team. Interesting stuff. If you're an Astros fan or not, you just want to know more about uh, what the Astros did to get to where they've had the dynasty they've had. Going to be playing the Twins. Just something there. Rangers win today. The Mute their celebration, but then they go out and celebrate big in the locker room. They tried to put on a show in front of everybody. Said, oh, we're not going to celebrate too big. because They got in trouble because they celebrated – and the Astros won the division. Were they going to have two parties? Come on, guys. You weren't going to party twice, Rangers. You got to save it for the division win. That's the only problem is I didn't think you were going to do it. Tw- it would be weird to do it twice. Get back to the text line. We're asking you, 512 3776 We're asking you, uh, who is your most beloved Longhorn in the Texas OU series? Getting you ready for the big game on Saturday. Uh, favorite players, Jordan Shipley and his awesome punt return and great catches. No, we will, not, uh, we will not say Samaj P. Ryan and his tremendous games against Texas sooner, people, on the text. And I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you listening, but we will not say that. Kyler Murray didn't even shake Sam's hands. It uh, was a negative. And Cameron Dicker. Yeah, Dicker, I think he is the most recent hero. He's the one. People still love him going off to the NFL. Dicker the kicker uh, and that wink before winning the game. It's an iconic moment. Uh, 1989, Pete Gar- Peter Gardaire uh, to Johnny Walker for the go-ahead touchdown. That's my favorite play. My favorite horn in the OU game has to be Randy McEachern. Uh Solid one there as well. Uh, the years Colt McCoy and Sam Bradford competed against each other was probably one of the better stretches in the rivalry, all the way up to the footage of Colt, Sam, and Tim Tebow in New York ahead of that Heisman years ceremony. Uh, yeah, I-, I like all those years. We get another sooner with Adrian Peterson. No, he is not a hero in this. Not a hero. There, Peter Gardere gets a good one in there. Uh, favorite recent moment: Sam Ellinger throwing up the horns at the side of, at the horn side of the field after his touchdown. Johnny Walker gets a good mention in there. Clash of the Cotton Bowl is another name we're going for. If you have another name for us, go ahead and send those in as well. Uh, giving OU the goose here last year—that will always be one of my favorite new, but more new memories. Uh, Bevo Angel says. Texas proved that their elite defense against Kansas. By the way, Longhorns found their number one running back in Dylan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks, sorry. Yes, I agree with that for sure. And the most hated OU player is Ricky Williams. We get that uh, as well. We know that the most hated is Roy Williams, uh, the Superman leap. But Bebo Angel, who's your favorite? When I say your favorite Texas player, Ricky Williams, 139s with Doug Walker. We'll give him one from Piper. Cody Johnson, that's a solid one from Locksmith Alex. Let's see what Victor Voice of Nelson Field. Uh, Yes, on past six. Sorry, yes, I was on uh, later than normal because of the Rangers. They have closed out the series. They will not be back on tomorrow, so we will be back on at a normal time for all that. Uh, We're going to play a clip. We'll get through some more of these texts when we get back. We're going to play a clip from Ian Robbie, uh from Hook'Em Up this morning, more weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on the Sports Complex, uh, talking about some recent trends Rob Babers has found in the Texas OU rivalry. Here's
3: uh, Rob Babers, Aaron Ogan from this morning. If you've watched enough of these Texas OU games and matchups, and you know there are certain trends that seem to always, you know, materialize, come to fruition uh, in these in these matchups, and I've been keeping track of a few of them, and I think uh, these fa- these trends actually this year they favor Texas. Um, well, I think two of them favor Texas. Two of these three that I'm about to mention. So first of all, we know Quinn Ewers. He played in the uh, Texas OU game last season, and it was one of his standout. The performances as a uh, Texas Longhorns, one of his best games he's ever had, and Texas blew out uh, Oklahoma. Uh, talked about J.T. Sanders, one of his breakout performances too, um, and now he's got you know that on his resume, but he's also more importantly got the experience in the game. Here's the stat: if first-time starters at quarterback. In the Texas OU game, the State Fair Street Fight, as I like to call it, uh, or the Texas said the uh, what do you say the, the D Town Throwdown? D Town Throwdown, kind of like that too. Um, first time quarter since nineteen ninety. First time quarterbacks versus quarterbacks who have experience in the Texas OU game as a starting quarterback. Um, there are only four quarterbacks who actually have won as first-time starters going up against more experienced quarterbacks who have had starts in the Texas OU game. And they're all actually on the OU side. Spencer Rattler, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fuentes, Sam Bradford. Um, when one quarterback has played in the game while the other hasn't, Dylan Gabriel hasn't played in this game because he was hurt last season. That's part of why Texas blew
0: him out. He Probably doesn't remember it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he was knocked woozy. <laughs> yes,
3: good point and, against TCU yeah, and Quinn. That was maybe that was Quinn's game back, right from the injury, was
0: it not? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, that was yes, his was. first
3: game back from the injury, uh, and he looked so uh, spectacular well, in that game. Well, I will say,
0: having been at the Conwell Dylan Gabriel actually was on the field warming up for that game. I remember that because we were talking about that in the pregame, remember? Yeah, yep. he yeah. was on the field, took warm-ups. Yeah. He just wasn't cleared for the protocols.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I remember us talking about that in the pregame. So that's, that's you know, with 34 years of sample size, it tells you— First year, first time starters in this game versus uh, veteran quarterbacks who started in this game. They don't they don't fare so well. But if anybody can break the trend, it would be Oklahoma, and he is a vet. He he would be the outlier because he is a veteran quarterback. He's a six year quarterback. So if anybody can kind of break that trend, maybe it will be him. Um, but that's one that I think is good for Texas. Less experienced quarterbacks uh, in this game versus more experienced quarterbacks. Uh, now I think three, fourteen, and one. So those also favors Texas because Quinn is the uh, more experienced quarterback in this game, in the Texas OU game, not overall, just in the Texas OU game. Um, that's what we're talking about. When both quarterbacks have experience in a game and uh, when you look at a situation where neither quarterback has experience in the game, really tougher to predict the outcome. Uh, okay. Let's uh let's get into the other stat here, or at least trend here that I think also favors Texas, the running game. Everybody knows about the rushing stat in this game. It is a line of scrimmage game, as my man Jeff Howe uh, likes to call it, since 1999. That's when Rod B. first stepped on on campus on the 40 acres. Uh, the team that wins the rushing battle in the Texas Georgia game is 21-2-1.
0: 21-2-1. and one. <laughs> Well, going into this game, statistics would tell you the Longhorns are a much better running team than it's Oklahoma. It's not
3: even a question. I think Oklahoma's averaging less than four yards per rush as a team. And they
0: don't really have a bell cow, dude. I mean, Jonathan Brooks has emerged as yep. a uh, not just a, you know, he leads the Big 12 in, in rushing. He's one of the national leaders in rushing yards right now. And who would have picked that when the season began having a breakout year and giving the Longhorns that strong running game? And you think they right might use a lot of uh, those six six offensive line packages to just uh bully I ball this they, team.
3: I think they could. I mean, they, they use it more uh in that Kansas game than they've used it in any time that Sark's been on, on campus as the head coach slash play caller. And they used it when JT Sanders went out of the game. I think that's what really uh initiated that that move is to supplement the loss of JT Sanders with that what I call kind of the bully ball package. They call it their Big 12 package. So I wonder if that will be the one of the adjustments, but we don't know how hell healthy JT Sanders is I don't know what they do I think he's day-to-day they're judging that day-to-day and if he's really healthy and he can go I think they'll let him go early because they want him a part of that early script early on and then from there they may adjust if you know he ends up having to work that ankle if he you know re-injures it if he gets tackled and you know they don't like the way it looks that comes I think early on it will probably be at its best uh, at right off the of, you know a week of rest and the training sessions and things of that nature. So, uh, but yeah, the rushing battle is huge, and you know Texas <laughs> uh, right now. I agree with E. They definitely have their running game right now. It's finding its groove. It's finding its rhythm. It's right now one of the better running games. I think it's the best running game potentially right now in the Big Twelve. Uh, it's one one of the better running games in the country. Actually, looking at the way Jonathan Brooks is running the football. All right, another trend here, and this is not just Texas OU, just any football game at any level. Turnovers. Turnovers are going to be big. I think it favors Texas, but it could favor Oklahoma. They, they lead the Big 12 in takeaways right now. They got 10 interceptions right now. I believe that 10 interceptions is one of the national leaders too. where it's got to be 10 interceptions uh, through five games. But it's one of the national leaders, too. So they're really opportunistic defense. That's one thing that, you know, Brent Venables has been able to kind of infuse this new opportunistic mentality uh, with this defense. They go out to the football. They got more speed. I think they're. Strength on defense is their back seven, starting with the linebackers. The linebackers actually are really good. It's probably their best players on defense are those two off ball linebackers they have, uh, Stutzman, who is a stud, but they got 10 interceptions. Uh, in fact, the Sooners have 24 interceptions in their last 13 games. Um, so they, 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 they're trending the right way in terms of taking the football away, but Texas, we know Quinn Ewers, even though he threw an interception last week, uh, he is not prone being careless with the football that is not really in his dna he can be inconsistent he can be indecisive he can hold on to the balls and all that kind of stuff but he is not really a turnover prone quarterback doesn't just throw it to the other team so i don't see that being a problem in the texas ou game since 2000 the team that wins the turnover margin uh 14 and 7 in texas has won the turnover margin actually in eight of the last nine meetings so it's go. a good chance they can win, they'll win a turnover margin here too but oklahoma that's one of their strengths defensively
0: Good trends. Good trends right there for Texas. Run the ball, quarterback with experience in this game, and don't turn the football over. All things the Longhorns have gotten their advantage. Now, again, the only one that is even is, is turnovers. Everything else is pretty significantly to Texas at this point as far as the running game because that's, to me, that's, that's what the – and physicality, right? This game hinges on physicality. Yes, I agree. Winning the line, of scrimmage. I mean, go back to uh, – some of the the tough losses for Texas and back when Lincoln Riley was still the coach, I mean they would just line up and be able to gouge you with the run game and uh, Kennedy Brooks and some of those huge rushing games go all the way back to the Bob Stoops, Mac Brown days with Quentin Griffin and some of those great running backs. I mean that's uh, that's where it's all about and I think Texas has a real opportunity and uh, that's credit to the to the big humans up front that are improving right. and by by the way a lot of those big humans up front uh, several of them are from the Metroplex they like playing in the Metroplex DJ Campbell square point. Yeah, um, those That'd well, be inspired. they would been watching actually, that games yeah, they were a kid. Yeah, man, wanted to play in it. Yeah, and so push it around, get after it, and then Jonathan Brooks, what a, what a, a, it's a great story, uh, man. It really uh, is a revelation because we knew he was a good player, but uh, he's he's really turned into a, to one of the better running backs playing at all Big Twelve level right and, now. And, and Sark still could be all American. Sark
3: still didn't say he was a starter, did he? I love that Stark won't say he's a starter. He just keeps like, uh, I think he said something about how they both grade him in like CJ. We like our backfield. But he will not just say, and I think Jonathan Brooks is on a mission to make him say it. Say it! Say it, Stark! Say it! Say I'm the starter! You know, he won't say it. He started CJ Backs in first two games. Honestly, Stark might have did Jonathan Brooks a favor. Because Jonathan Brooks is still fighting for that. You can tell he's playing for that spot. And he probably still is. Because Sar- like, you know what? At this point, I'm not going to give it maybe to him. He's going to play like this. For Jay <laughs> he's going to play like this to get the spot? I'll never give it to him. I'll just make him have to, you know, essentially maybe eat my words and eat that crow. But he won't say he's the starter yet, even though we all know he's the starter. Yes, he
1: is the starter. We know that... Uh that Jonathan Brooks is going to be the guy. We know that. And I think that Sark is trying to get him to go out there and be one of the names we're talking about and most beloved. Uh, Chan, my man on the text line, asking, uh, what is Texas' average yards per carry? Rod says, that Oklahoma's is low at four yards per carry. Texas is at five yards per carry. And I know that doesn't sound like a huge difference, but Texas is 27th in the nation at yards per carry at five, and Oklahoma is 75th at four. There's a big difference between a yard... And that, and then you kind of get into the teams that are just blowing it away, like Kentucky at six point eight yards per carry. So there, there, it isn't a huge difference just in a yard you think there, but it is in actual how it's gone across the country and what a difference a yard makes in that chain. But it's a good question, and uh, why do I get the feeling OU is going to sell out and stop the run? I wish they would sell out and stop Jonathan Brooks all day. You know, if you're going to try and put Xavier Worthy and Adenai Mitchell, and especially if J T. Sanders plays in single coverage against Quinn Ewers and not pass rush hard because you're wor- worried about the run, if you're really selling out to stop the run, it's not a pass rush necessarily. You're talking about going over the top. That means Texas is going to have a shot. So I, I think that is I- that would be the best case scenario for Texas is if they just kind of sit there and try and stop Jonathan Brooks. For Sark, he just let Quinn Ewers go over the top. I know teams are going to start trying to make Quinn beat him. That wasn't the plan, uh, but Jonathan Brooks is starting to change it. That's part of the thing. Texas has too many options right now. It becomes harder and harder to stop them we got to take one more break. When we come back, wrap things up here on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.
0: The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn.
3: Last call. So either hook up now or go home and take care of yourselves.
0: To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems.
1: That's what I do. I drink and I know things.
0: Bring a pitcher of beer every seven minutes until somebody
1: passes out. And then bring one every ten minutes. I'm very drunk and I intend getting still drunker before the evening's over. Had a blast with you guys on the show today. Uh, we appreciate everybody joining along with us and uh, playing along here on the text line 512 447 3776. Save it in your phone. We always appreciate you guys jumping on the sign with us. We're back tomorrow. My man Jacob Stander is going to join me in studio. Get you some ready, some picks ready for the weekend. Because on Friday, a huge show, four to seven. We're doing an extra hour to give you more pregame coverage for Texas OU. Aaron Hogan's going to join the show live from Dallas from Terry Black's Barbecue. Rob Baber's going to join the show in the studio with me. We're going to have a big old show talking Texas versus OU on Friday. Tomorrow, Jacob Standard in studio. Saturday, me, myself, and Ty Henderson out at the Fieldhouse at Kyle's doing a watch party. Rod and Aaron doing pregame right here on the station. Keeping you in the loop. Everybody, be safe, be kind. We'll be back tomorrow right here on the Horn. Until then, it's almost 7 o'clock. No you still sucks.